Hi, and welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And here's our podcast. It's for the realistic, wine-loving, cheesy, and SLP. Woohoo! Cheers, Deb. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. And today, I am drinking a Ramona Blood Orange Wine Spritz. It is a product of Italy. Um, I- and it is, it's pretty tasty it reminds me of like when you get one of those Aperol spritzes and I've been watching White Lotus which takes place in Sicily so it just felt like what I wanted to drink today so I vote drink it and I'm pairing it with some cheese that is getting uh plated at the moment so I'll get back to you on that what do you have Maria Deb, I too have an Italian beverage. I, however, have an Italian red wine, Amicone. I don't know what that is, but it's won a bunch of medals here. Oh. 2001, the Concourse Mondale, and 90, it got 97 points for something else. It's 2021 Decanter World Wine Award. It got bronze. So it is very smooth. It's quite delicious. It is... I don't even know what kind of wine this is. Amicone Rosso Veneto in the Cune Geografica Tipica. I'm not sure what kind of wine this is. It just it's red wine from it's an Italian red wine. Uh-huh. And with the Italian theme, I paired it with some smoked mozzarella that I got from the blo- up the block that was on sale. Mm-hmm. Sale. And since I was I had people, my friend Almadine and her husband, shout out to them. They came over last night. So I also have this goat cheese cranberry uh, cheese on a Ritz cracker. So I'm just loving all the snacks today and loving the wine. So I'm going to drink it on my end too, Deb. We really brought our A game today. Very nice. I love it. I uh, the wine and cheese. Yeah. Drink it. How about cheersing to us? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Cheers to us. Mm-hmm. So are, are you ever just scrolling through Instagram and then you find like somebody who makes content that you want to start following and you never knew? Yes, of course. So I started following this psychic medium. What? That's yeah. interesting and not really Deb or maybe it is Deb of you. Well, I mean, I'm into psychics. Are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to go all the time. I just got my tarot cards read recently. What did they say? Are you not allowed to tell us? Every time I get my readings, it, I get all these swords, which means I need to. Oh, wow. Mike just brought me cheese and Oreos <laughs> <laughs> in a toddler bowl. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that looks that looks great. Yeah. Um how appetizing that is but listen you know you gotta let wait digest the cheese a little bit and then when you get that sweet craving you're gonna have an oreo so mm-hmm. i see what anyway i always get these swords and swords mean that you need to surrender more and stop trying to like control everything but wow. there's like different cards like 14 swords or eight swords so i think i got like less swords than last time so and I try to surrender to stuff. I so feel like, like you're 
that. I mean, if you don't surrender to stuff outside your control, who does? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then it also, she basically told me that like everything I want to do in life, like I'll find success as long as I pursue it faithfully, which is something like I've always said to myself, like you'll find success in all that you pursue as long as you commit your efforts faithfully. Um, so basically it's like the only person who could ever get in my way is me, but also like my toddler. (laughs) Your thoughts about the toddler that get in your way. No, I only have awesome positive thoughts about my toddler, but having a toddler, you don't realize how much it makes everything far more difficult to get done. Like you might think, oh, I'll do this. I'll do, I'll get this done while my toddler plays on the floor with the toys. No, he will call you over constantly asking you to sit down with him to play. And Mm -hmm. you might think like, oh, I'll get a babysitter so I could do this activity while my toddler is occupied. No, your toddler will want to be with you. So I have to leave and go somewhere else. So it's not everything that I thought I would be able to do as a mother. I didn't really have a full understanding until I became a mother. It's easy to wow. say, oh, you'll just get a babysitter. People are not as willing to babysit your kids as they claim that they will be when they first find out you're pregnant. But then also your child will not prefer these people. Right. Especially if you're still in the same room. Oh, or- yeah. Yeah. There's, you can't work from home and have a thing that your kid's going to go hang out with somebody else. Go. Yeah. Or maybe they have to leave the whole, or maybe that is a struggle for working moms. It's you sure know, sure it is. Yeah. So there's that. But anyway, the psychic medium said, "Tell me that when you drink alcohol." She made this real. I'll have to like share it to my story. But okay. She, when you drink alcohol, it kind of like opens up your chakras and makes you more susceptible susceptible to negative energy that you should do before you drink your alcohol um and they were they explained that well no no they weren't but um three things I do um before drinking alcohol she says is she because it loosens up your chakra and it, it makes you susceptible to negative energy sorry I said that already um so okay. what she does is, sorry, let me wait for it to come up. This is why, okay, so this is why some people might act totally different when they drink or because they feel like something else took over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> and so these are the three things that she does. Sorry, I'm reading the reel. To protect yourself, you place a protective shield or a rose around oh. your aura. Now, I don't know how to do that. She did well, well, instructions on how to protect my, my aura. And here's my aura. I'm yeah, gonna... so we're just going to protect our own aura. I'm going to some... a rose. Okay, I'm protecting my aura. Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad. One. Just saying that I'm protecting my aura. I'm protecting my aura. Number two is ground the drink and clear out anyone else's energy and negative energy. I don't know how to ground my drink. 
but I'm going to put it on this table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, all right. It feels grounded. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing it down. There yeah. It mm-hmm. Now I'm going to set the intention for drinking and send it into the drink while stirring three times to the left. Now, I don't have a stirrer, but I'm going to like... Wiggle it. it. Wish it three times to the left. One, two, three. And my intention for this drink is to just have a lovely conversation with you, Maria. Oh, what a sweet little thing. I'm going to do the same intention too, Deb. Here I am. I'm swirling. Let's get rid of all the negative energy yeah. in this drink. Perhaps. That's what it does. And now my intention is to... Like three times. I, okay. Over <laughs> Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I just, sure. My intention is be a fun, realistic SLP and spend that time chatting with you. You know, like we've known each other over 10 years now from our clinic days to now being like senior SLPs, seasoned SLPs. And it's like, how's work going for you, Deb? You know, it's how's great. Life? I'm good. It's great for me too. Life is good, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Let's drink to that. So yeah. speaking of SLPs, I wanted to give an SLP shout out on his Instagram handle. It's hard to swallow. I will. So yes. Hey, he did mention that my priorities may be out of check because I wasn't on the last week's episode with you and Julie. But I'm on this week, so, you know, I'm just trying to get my priorities back. <laughs> Manage, you know, I guess, like, marriage life, work life, the home, and the podcast. So, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'm managing. I'm managing. Yeah. What about you? I feel like, well, you were on the last episode, so you clearly have your priorities yeah, I checked. I the audio, like, three times, so there's, like, three different versions of the episode out in the interweb, <laughs> so... Unless, like, some people might have the wrong version if they didn't delete it. But I'm pretty sure now it's all updated. Um, it is updated. I heard it, and then I texted you, and you must have, like, deleted it and re-uploaded it, and it was fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to manage. But um, I do want to still keep doing the podcast. Um, it's just, you know, it's a lot of work. But um, I enjoy it in the moment, for sure. Yes, I do as well, Deb. And I love hearing from people who listen to us, you know, and it's just like, it's just me and Deb doing our thing. Like, you know, we always have. And I'm glad that people are like benefiting from it, finding entertainment out of it and just like finding not even past entertainment, like release, release, you know, relief of, oh, I can do this in my session or, oh, they feel the same way too. I'm not alone out there. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, here we go. Uh, great podcast. Love the humor. This is from Roblox. I love that they combine humor and heavy topics. Makes SLP work entertaining. Entertaining. Maria is super funny. Thank you. Yeah. Because I, I know Deb has a comedy background. and But Deb has taught me a few things about comedy. <laughs> like callback. Stuff like that. But I appreciate that compliment. Thank you. you. I'm going to just keep that. Eddie, just Eddie keep said fun and informative. This is such a great podcast about SLP and the women do a great job of making it fun and sharing info on wine related topics. Highly recommended. Here's Dan's girl, five, 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 five. I 
hi, I'm Maria, and I too love this podcast. This is you. Okay. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Here is, um, let me see, a great miss, mix from speech and language songs. We have Stephen Neese. This is a great podcast with a great mix of clinical info and casual conversation. Love this podcast. Learned so many interesting topics with Deb and Maria. We'll keep listening. Johnny yes. Joe manages to be informative and packed with expert advice while being incredibly lighthearted and funny. A plus. So thank you for all of these reviews. We certainly, certainly appreciate it. And thank yeah. you for listening. For sure. And last week you recorded with Julie and you talked about, I'm glad we it's been a while since we had the topic of dysphagia and working with adults. So I'm really glad that we had that topic on there too. But you guys also talk about travel, which we have that coming up after our little segment where we yes. want to talk about. We like will that. have Julie back on the podcast in this episode later on. So Julie and I, we were very chatty. So then. Yeah. I you, knew what you guys do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been, we've been internet friends for a long time and we do end DMing a lot. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. that. First vocal conversation, really, outside of voice memos. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> the clip that we have today was the first recording we did, which ended up being like kind of chatty and disorganized. So it's like bonus material. She talks a lot about how her Instagram handle is Julie365Weekend because she took a year-long Yes. And uh, she goes into more detail on that. That is a really great, and I'm kind of like kicking myself that I haven't done that, but I will. But I have taken a lot of summertime, my summers, and spent them like in Europe. So I won't complain. I know Deb will tell me that she's sick of me posting that I'm on vacation. I am and- not sick of you, but some sometimes you're there for like four months. I'm like, get home. <laughs> I just love it because I'm like, is this way of Deb saying she misses me? Or, <laughs> it's me not yeah. knowing how to manage my emotions <laughs> what is really what is she really trying to communicate <laughs> is it, it it can't be you know she really needs me to get home for something like i'm having fun <laughs> right yeah i just miss you that's all and i'm jealous yeah. i miss you and i'm jealous okay that's what it is and okay the emotions that i'm just not built to to manage for for sustained periods of time. Okay. At least you're aware of it. That's what I'll say. But Maria loves to travel. So when I was chatting to Julie about travel, I was thinking, oh, this is a great topic for Maria. Um, so yeah, so we thought today before we bring Julie back, we will talk a bit about travel for us as humans and then travel as a theme in speech therapy sessions. So Maria, travel expert, do you love to travel? I do love to travel. Um, People who don't know me, they don't know that I actually was born in Greece and moved to America when I was a baby. Mm -hmm. So maybe an inherent reason, I always sound like Deb, a reason why I like to travel. But 
I'm going to recommend three Greek islands because everyone, you know, when they find out I'm Greek, they ask me what islands to go to. And everyone has heard of the most common islands, Mykonos and Santorini. I'm not saying they're not beautiful. Research them. Be prepared. They are highly expensive. They are one of them. They are the two most expensive islands in all of Greece. Greece has hundreds of islands, hundreds, not 10, not 15. You have hundreds to choose from. Right. And if you choose me, or Santorini, those are the top two most expensive out of hundreds. So right. if that's your, go for it. Just, you know, just save up or not, or just, you know, splurge, whatever. It's your life. I'm not going to tell you how to live it. But I also want to tell the listeners, there are other islands out there, and I'm going to recommend three different ones. Milos, M-I-L-O-S. And it's actually not too far from Mykonos and Santorini. So even if you did want to check out Milos too, M-I-L-O-S. That's one. Actually, I'm going to do four, Deb. And Orpados, P-A-R-O-S. Those are also close by. So mm -hmm. those are my Milos, Pados, Lefkada. I'm going to write these in the show notes. L-E-F-K-A-D-A. -A. That's a gorgeous island. So affordable. Great nightlife. Beautiful beaches. Porto Katsiki is like a beautiful beach. So check that island. Or you could do the southern part of Greece of Kriti or Kreta, as you heard of it, maybe have heard of that. Um, and that top place there, I would say go to Chania, C-H-A-N-I-A. And you could go there for like five days and have like gorgeous beaches. They have one that's like pink sands mm. and another one that around has like a lagoon and it has like a castle that you could like hike to. And then uh, if you wanted to do a whole other part of the islands, they have like the ancient uh, ruins from like uh, Nosos, it's called. It's like Minoan. It's like very ancient civilization. You might want to check that out, too, if you're a history buff. So I recommend those islands. They're a lot more affordable. They are just as gorgeous and beautiful and beaches and have great nightlife, great food. Greek people love to party. They love Americans because Americans come and they just want to have fun. And like, you know, they just want to go and have fun. And people, Greek people, the same thing. So they have a lot in common. Oh, that sounds <laughs> so awesome. Those are my islands, everyone. So now you heard it from me. And now I'm going to have some goat cheese on that note. Nice. So I don't like traveling. Like I like being places and arriving there. But uh -huh. the planning, packing and traveling is not my favorite thing I don't like it my husband is traveling constantly I don't know how he does it I would be unhappy um but He's I'm happy once I get to the beach that's and I would like to be at a beach now and if I wanted to go to one I'd have to travel but yeah it would not be easy for for me no just remind yourself it's worth it when you get there. And this is just like the temporary discomfort on that. You know, everything was like good thing comes to those who wait. Maybe you need yeah. that mantra. Yeah. And get some audio books. I mean, traveling with a toddler seems really scary. I, you know, so. I mean, yeah. Like I what it would be like now when he was little, it was very easy to travel with a baby. You thought right. the only thing that was hard is like, the airport, like if it was like a dumb person in security, like they would give you a hard time about a small amount of breast milk. Oh, come on, people. 
I know, but like the rules are, you're really not supposed to even give any travel over it. Um, but uh, that was the only thing that ever bothered me. And if mm-hmm. the baby's strapped to you, you don't have to go through that crazy metal detector, which is cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Okay. Nice little uh, perk then. Yeah. And then I was thinking we should also talk about like, you know, everyone, a lot of the families that I work with since I'm in private practice, when it's a vacation to holiday time, these people mm-hmm. are traveling. Right. They're going places far. Um, okay. And I just think that talking and recalling these events is a very functional goal in speech therapy. I and agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So I while we constantly have these speech therapy goals of like answering a variety of WH questions, which is good. Um, topic. Topic Arf. meeting, asking and answering questions, super pal conversation. Um, I think it's also though, there's many things that you could use to target these things, but I think that frequently people get so fixated on these like kind of artificial lists of like, why do butterflies have wings? When do you brush your teeth? Um, How do you wash your hands? Instead of like, have you ever been on an airplane? Where nice. Did you like it? Uh, what did you do when you got there? Um, things like that, asking these types of questions and answering them. So Maria had a great tip that if your kid goes, if your client goes away on vacation, you can ask the parents to send you some pictures. This way you have some authentic materials that the child can label and describe things that they saw and did while they were away on vacation. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Cause you know, mom or dad or the caregiver has some kind of pictures. Oh, yeah. So just like text me them, email me them. And you could take the pictures. My little thing is if you use Gmail, if you use Gmail, <laughs> you just add the picture to your drive and then create a social story right on like PowerPoint and just like mm-hmm. insert pictures from your drive. And it's great. And you could like print it out and you could have them retell it. Like you said, practice their speech. And why are we talking about how a dentist cleans your teeth if a child doesn't even have the ability to name everybody in their family? Right. Favorite activities. Right. Yeah. Or how they visited grandma in Missouri or something. You know, where does grandma? Yeah. Other Mm -hmm. states. You live yeah. applicable to their actual daily life when they go to the dentist two times a year and they probably don't, don't want to remember any of that. You no, know, you're just bringing up like PTSD. Like, out about the dentist. Let's talk about <laughs> none said. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, exactly. Like, remember that guy with his drill that was inside your mouth while you were. <laughs> You know, but at the same time, community workers are important. I guess like firemen and police officers. I, th- I think so, but I think that's like second tier. Like you should know like, all right, this dude will help you. But it's in every book. It's on TV. It's like that is going to be like passive information that you can you're going to receive because it's like common themes and stories and TV shows. Yes, yes. 
So I see. yeah, it's just not to me very like, it's just a bit artificial because mm-hmm. how authentic conversations can we really have about a fireman unless like somebody pulled the fire alarm and the fire department showed up to school. Like that's a story that would be like more authentic than like, this is a firefighter. The firefighter drives a fire truck. He wears a special uniform to keep him safe. Like, I, I get what you're putting. I'm getting it. And I agree. And I'm going to piggyback off my own idea there of the social story or just like pictures. Mm-hmm. So if you have students who maybe are like on a device and you could, if you're working on expanding utterances, or even if it is just like verbally or with picture symbols, you can use like some core phrases like fun or if you want to build on that it was fun or I had fun Mm -hmm. like like commenting I liked it I didn't like it and then like you were saying like engaging with the WH questions like what did you do maybe some verbs you know like even if we're just looking for like okay did they go swimming did they visit family did they go like in a pool did they Mm -hmm. go in woods like hiking did they go somewhere cold you know did they Sledding, something like that. You can also, like, let's say you have a Gestalt language processor. You can give parents homework of things that they can model on their way, like time to pack the bag. Let's go. We're going up, up, up. So for Gestalt language processing, like that's still like a new term. Maybe people don't know what that is, but it's like when we had a I've had a great solo cast on it, but it's like when individuals, uh, very common individuals on the spectrum where they like kind of like associate a phrase or a short couple of words with like a piece of information. So like, let's go being for like, let's go here, let's go outside. Like they can like, maybe they're like using it for everything. They learn language and phrases as opposed to words. So as you may teach like, let us go, as three different words Mm -hmm. a child who's a gestalt language processor would learn let's go as one chunk and to a variety of situations in which they go (laughs) (laughs) thank you verbal uh supports to fully explain that so i'm glad you were there to supplement that yes how is the cheese by the way that mike brought right i mean like how can you go wrong with just cheddar cheese? Or am I crazy? Or just, oh, it's good. I'm glad you're loving it. I'm glad. I've eaten a lot of this cheddar cheese. Um, Great. So, so definitely into just plain cheddar. Is it fancy? No. Doesn't need to be fancy. And neither does our theme today of travel. Yeah. Travel doesn't so, be fancy. I wanted to say with travel, you can compare and contrast vehicles. Oh, okay. That's things perfect. that take you far, things that take you close, things that go in the water, things that go in the air. These are similar because they're both for traveling. They're different because the plane goes in the sky and the boat goes in the water. Yeah, I like that. Comparing and contrasting vehicles. And then you could segue into like, how did you go on vacation? Like maybe they took an airplane, maybe mom or dad drove, you know, yeah. something like that. Perfect. Yeah. So, so- Speak more authentically. I, yes. Be authentic. Every, like you're, you're like your fortune teller, right? Yeah, Pursue well, all your 
Tyler tells me all to your interests faithfully. And that can include travel as well, you know, and I gave you guys some travel ideas if you did want to check out Greece, but some local places, what are some good local spots? Uh, I have gone to, where did I love Savannah, Georgia? That's another fun place. Oh, I think check out my favorite vacation in, in the United States. Haven't been there. Okay. Yeah. New Orleans and Denver, Colorado is also beautiful. And if you're into skiing, Oh, there I really want to go, but I'm not going to go. Mike's going in February and I was going to go, but I'm not going to go. Ah, all right. It's beautiful. It's fun. I, I want to, I but need- I want to go when I can spend more time. Not when he has to like fly to Cleveland the next day. Fair point. Fair point. So on that note, can I end us with our quote? I guess. Are you going to rap for us next? Yes. Uh, no, I don't really <laughs> Travel investment in yourself. Yeah. Travel is an investment in yourself. Because mm-hmm. time to see something new, experience the world in a different perspective, new sensory input. That's an investment in yourself. And check out this interview with Deb and Julie. Yeah. Wow. But yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for me and Julie. Arrivederci. wine and cheese. I'm Deb and today I'm joined by Julie, none other than one of the most, I would say you're one of the funnest people to follow on social media. I don't even know how to respond to that. You should have told me you were going to say that before. Hi. No, I like shocking people. (laughs) Well, shit. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so she's (laughs) the former admin of FLPs on censors currently admitting uh putzacunts on Facebook. She also has a uh, Instagram, which is her stories are always there. So if you feel alone, you follow Julie. She'll be there. <laughs> I don't know if that really puts me up really high. <laughs> like, it does. Yeah. You're you're always there, you know, <laughs> to check in. I mean, everyone's full of crap if they're not if they claim to not be scrolling on their phone constantly and some of us show up and some of us are just watching. Yeah, true. Well, and part of that too is, um, I had, I lost a lot of weight and so I have had a lot of surgeries and I have to pay for those surgeries. So I cannot leave my house because every time I leave, I spend a minimum of, I mean, I live in Seattle, a minimum $20. So like, I have to stay in my house, even like, yeah, anyway, that's why. <laughs> yeah, but then also, so speaking of the weight loss and the surgeries, Julie has documented her transformation over the past couple of years and really kind of gives you an inside perspective on what it entails to go through all of these. <laughs> so what did you start off with? This is not the topic of the podcast. <laughs> I'm just so interesting. Sorry. What did you, yeah. what do you mean? Start off with like Wait, speech so wise? Your or? initial oh. surgery was, oh. I don't know the name of anything, but I was this, the stomach one probably right with this. Yeah. I had um, a gastric sleeve February 24th, 2020. If that year gives you a little 
glimpse into why it was extra difficult. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. With a March was the, everything was normal in February, right? Yes. And then I came back and of course I live in Seattle. So, mm-hmm. um, I actually got exposed very early to the very first outbreak in the United States. And I had just had surgery. I was on 500 calories a day, freaked TF out. Am I allowed to say the F word on here or we censor that? I mean, I could hit the explicit button, but no one's going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I did. And I lost a hundred pounds and then got my arms and legs done. And then I got my saggy ass boobs done with um, an entire body lift. And then I did another one to get rid of my um, love handles. So it's been quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, you've also shown me like what a champ you are with wound care. I'd be like, that's it. I'm done. I can't like my son fell and hit his head. I was like, I got to take off work for a week. Like, (laughs) well, and I had to work through that. And honestly, it actually helped me get like such a perspective on my patients who Mm -hmm. might be going through wounds. Cause like, it is so demoralizing and you're like, I'm never going to get better. And, um, like I actually went into the bathroom at happy hour with some of my nurse coworkers and, you know, showing them my ass basically being like, do you think this is going to (laughs) heal? Good. So that's great. So that brings us into, um, so Julie is also obviously an SLP that, and she works, um, in home health, but are you also like outpatient too? No, I, I work in assisted livings, um, which is Medicare B. So actually it's, it's kind of outpatient, but not really because you're in the facility. Got it. But people come in to see, sorry. No, people who live in assisted livings now, rehab companies will contract out. Okay. Um, and I'm actually probably leaving that job because, and this is something we could get into. It's not thick and liquids, but, Mm -hmm. um, I rarely have, I used to just go there for one patient a day Oh, because they don't want to pay you for eight hours. So you're like, cool, I'm driving there. I'm seeing one patient. I'm earning $5 basically because right. I mean, not really. I know, but, but I feel like you need at least a hundred dollars to walk out the door and you will not get that. I know. <laughs> I know. So, so, um, yeah, I we are going to get more into that, but you know what I realized? We never even talked about wine. (laughs) This is where I just go, what is wine? Do I drink? Actually, I did go wine tasting this week. I'm sure you saw that on my stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, you had the flights. That was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a great idea because who doesn't want to taste test? Well, and they were quite delicious. Um, I was pretty excited, but they didn't have like the really fancy wines that I'd Google beforehand. That was like Temperaneo or something. Uh-huh. Um, and I was all pumped up for those. Um, but yeah, they were tasty. I did the sweet wine one and. Ooh. So you like sweet wine? I like sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like sweet. So I, um, but I was gifted like a whole case of up like wine from upstate New York and it was all like very sweet. And every time I just kept opening bottles, hoping for like a not sweet bottle <laughs> and they were all sweet, but mm-hmm. my sister likes sweet too. We all. Yeah. Well, 
Well, for me, I mean, I know this isn't what we're talking about. I grew up Mormon, so I grew up not drinking at all. Oh, wow. We should talk about all of this. Julie, you're so (laughs) interesting. Home health, gastric sleeve, grew up Mormon. And now what do you identify? Um, I'm an atheist Mormon Jew or. Okay. (laughs) Do you see my star, David? (laughs) Yeah. I'm an atheist Mormon Jew. (laughs) Or it might be more accurate to say a Jewish Mormon atheist because I mostly identify as atheist, but there's my menorah in the background over there from Jerusalem. So what you don't (laughs) identify mostly then as Jewish? I'm half. I'm a delightful half-half situation. If you've watched Shit's Creek. <laughs> no, I haven't. But then I'll also tell you, I also quit all my jobs um, in 2016 and traveled the world for a year and a half as well. That is why my Instagram handle is julie.365.weekend because I had a year-long weekend and it was incredible. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know you had Eat, Pray, Love in you. I mean, can I say what my real one was or, I mean, we might go into explicit. <laughs> I'm already hitting the button. Didn't you drop the F bomb earlier? I said F. Okay. Uh, I said F. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I can't remember what, what I changed pray to. Cause obviously it's the atheist, but it was eat fuck. Um, I don't know something else, but I don't remember. Oh, the love, wait, I was like, wait, what is the third one? <laughs> there is, there was no love in those situations. <laughs> all around the world with julie very nice well um so should i go to new zealand or california all right you think new zealand okay so i'm gonna drink this uh savignon blanc from new zealand it's in a uh, teal can and it's got a statue with flowers on the top so that's a hundred percent why i chose it um these Savignon grapes are sourced from a sustainable vineyard. Look, I'm always looking out for mm-hmm. the world. Um, Where in New Zealand? Um, I don't know, Julie. Oh. I've been to New Zealand. It was incredible, but I didn't go to wine country. North Island. North Island. Uh, so wait, sorry. <clears throat> Our Oh, sorry. I can't even like tell. Uh, it's a 2019. <laughs> so you went to New Zealand? I did not in that trip a different time it was I it was incredible yeah so please drink, drink that wine can, let's see well and Julie officially uh, has <laughs> I poured some vodka but also I'm gonna mostly drink water because um I'm going to brunch soon and I need to drive there so <laughs> ah, nice and you'll all ready you don't want to be like too pre-gamed for your brunch date anyhow mm-hmm. pretty much <laughs> so so now summing it all back up so julie is uh, an slp working in home health and she lives in seattle tell us a little bit more about your background um well i worked in sniffs um because i'm assuming you meant slp stuff even though mm-hmm. everything else is more exciting about me but <laughs> <laughs> i worked in sniffs for six eight years um and I just, I worked in a horrible, horrible, horrible sniff where they wanted me to commit fraud literally every day. Mm -hmm. And it was with low socioeconomic status folks. I don't know how to say that in a different way. And it really dragged me down. And so Mm -hmm. I got this PRN job at home health. Um, 
to cover a maternity leave. And then I stayed on and then actually started in a hospital um, in 2019, my dream job in a hospital and what the fuck happened the next year. And <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked in a hospital, SNFs, inpatient rehab, um, assisted livings. And now I am mostly home health, which I adore. Um, yeah. Can you walk me through like what home health kind of entails? Like, what does that job look like in a day? Okay. Well, I will say just, first of all, um, I just got a second home health job, but my first one is very cushy. So Mm -hmm. I really have to preface that. Um, I do love the company I work for. Um, our productivity is super manageable and I just have to say that because I know this is not the case for all home health. I'm actually salary. Um, yeah, super uncommon. Um, and so, okay. I work Monday to Wednesday at that job and Sundays I schedule my patients. Mm -hmm. Um, Mondays I wake up and I actually take a ferry to a faraway location, which is incredible because, and I always, I mean, every day I go on the ferry, I'm like, I'm not a tourist, I'm not a tourist. I'm like, the space needle, oh my God. (laughs) Like, I mean, you see it. And then Uh I reenact the ring all the time with the horse, but, um, (laughs) so actually, sorry, on that Sunday, I would spend time researching my patients before I schedule them. And then I see only three patients when I'm far away. Mm -hmm. Um, and a majority of the patients, um, are, I mean, right now we've definitely had a switch in home health and maybe others can comment if that's, if they've noticed it, but they're much more acute. So like, a couple, um, I went to Mexico in November and I came back and I had a stroke, um, patient. Oh my God. I thought you just said you had a stroke. No, I work on your pause. (laughs) No, it's because I was a little traumatized. I'd been gone for almost three weeks and I walked into an acute stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically every visit in home health now is kind of a medical checkup. You're literally like, how are you doing? And my company doesn't require vitals every time, but I'm getting to the point where I'm doing them quite a lot because, um, my patients are getting super dehydrated. They're super deconditioned. Um, I see, uh, gosh, they're just very ill. Um, Right. And you're saying prior to the pandemic, it wasn't the case. I would say it wasn't as bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but like in assisted living facilities, I'm seeing these patients who are like stuck in their room. So they lost, you know, six walks a day down to meals at least. Right. And so, and I'm not saying that this kind of stuff wasn't necessary to help prevent the spread. Right. Um, but these patients, they don't have that. They didn't have that social contact. So their cognition has gone down. They're um, just overall deconditioned. And so all of these patients, even the ones in the home, like I had someone go from spending days at um, daycare facilities. I feel like that's a little condescending day centers for seniors. Mm -hmm. And like, go, they went to this one, um, actually this black club that's in my neighborhood. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I live right there. Yeah. And they went from five days a week, having activities to spending 18 hours on the floor. On the floor. Yes. Why? Um, I think just they got a little depressed maybe. And mm-hmm. actually we, um, that actually was one of my biggest success stories, um, ended up just getting up, working out every day, going outside, getting the mail, going from 
aspiration pneumonia because so deconditioned 18 hours on the floor right. to getting, getting up and moving and doing all this kind of stuff. And that was because of me, even though I'm speech. Right. Right. But we have to use our whole body and aspiration pneumonia. I mean, if you're moving around more, you're moving your lungs more, hopefully your body can help combat it more. That's one right. of my ideas. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we got to, we have to, we have to elevate our rib cage in order to do that whole look I had three sips of wine I can't even talk I <laughs> which by the way I know this is actually a pretty dry wine so it's a it's a, even a bit drier than I um <clears throat> would have chosen but I do like it still so I vote drink it but yeah we need to use many times parents wonder why I recommend PT for my very young kids who are not um, speaking. And I'm just like, well, we have to use our whole system in order to produce speech. So if we're not able to, you know, have the breath support to sustain uh, phonation, then we're not mm-hmm. going to be able to speak. So maybe we need to be like getting up, jumping around, doing, doing things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it does make sense that if an individual is in a stagnant position. They're not utilizing all of the muscles that work together in synergy in order to help you speak and swallow efficiently. Yeah. And, um, I actually just texted my boss on uh, Friday, even though I don't work that job, but I just, I think of things and asking if our next meeting, I can um, have a Smokey the Bear thing going, how you can prevent aspiration pneumonia and present <laughs> to the PTs and OTs. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not just on speech. That's great. That's awesome. So I feel like when we first talked about doing this episode, our main idea was that I feel, we feel as though people leave grad school thinking that all of dysphagia therapy is a series of thickened liquids. And I'm not going to pretend like that wasn't me. Right. Well, I mean, if you're taught that, you're taught that. And like, mm-hmm. I walked into speech and I was like, sure, I'll be a speech therapist. And then we took phonetics and I'm like, what the hell is this? I did not know that we were going to be doing this. So, so <laughs> of course there were some unexpected elements. Not Like if I didn't know phonetics was involved, how would I know that dysphagia was involved? So here I am just following the lead of these people who were telling me all this stuff. What else was I to know? I know. And then I think part of the problem is, is that we kind of perpetuate that system. Like, um, I don't want to speak poorly of anybody. Right. Um, but that sounds, well, I'm now going to negate everything I just said about not wanting to be an asshole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but students are going to their externships with SLPs who went to those externships with SLPs who went to those externships that all we learned about was thickening liquids. And so, we're kind of perpetuating those systems and these students are going to externships being told, you know, and I was told this, um, Oh shoot. I should be quiet. Like I said, I don't want to like trash talk anybody. Um, cause I think that's rude, but, um, publicly, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was taught I'm, I'm just for a visual for everybody. I'm here with my fingers on my, um, uh, larynx. I was taught that if the larynx went up two fingers, that was enough hyolaryngeal elevation. And at the time I was just like, of course, this is what I've learned. And I didn't even think 
how the fuck can that work for a six, four dude and a five, one woman, you know, right. getting very binary there. But mm-hmm. at the time, and I mean, that's just Julie not being taught critical thinking and Julie not having critical thinking. But it's like, that was the education that, that we were all given. I mean, I never did any sort of like bedside swallow of owls like that. Um, but I never did. All I did was observe a couple of instrumentation. And I also worked as um, PRN in a sniff. But I would just be like, not qualified. Not qualified. If I, because I was only covering on the weekend. So like, <laughs> I wasn't there all the time to see these people all the time. I didn't know every single thing about them. So I basically was just like, I'll help who I can help. But like, if I can't, like, you know, don't don't ask me back. I don't know what to tell you. They still kept calling me back. So I would see I would go in there with this education of the that the thicker the bolus is, the larger the bolus is, the easier it is to manipulate within the oral cavity, which then will give you more preparation time in order to safely and efficiently swallow that. I was like, sounds good. I just said a whole bunch of things that made me sound like I was saying something right. And then you have someone in front of you who's like, fuck that tray. I don't want that. <laughs> don't want that. And and this person wants to eat. And and then here I am in one, and then, I, and then the, the other perspective you're getting is respiration pneumonia is gonna kill everybody. So if you give them something that they can't swallow and it goes into their lungs, they're going to get pneumonia and die. And it's going to be your fault. Well, and I wouldn't even say we're taught that aspiration pneumonia kills is going to kill everybody. We're taught like aspiration itself is going to kill everybody. Right. Right. That's how I felt. Well, I guess it, I, I, to me, I feel like I was taught as if it was like one boat, like one thing oh. subsequently leads to the other. And well, that was at least like the perspective I went in there with. And I didn't feel like I had any peers who thought differently. They were all like, I'm too afraid to do that. What if somebody gets, what if somebody aspirates and then they get pneumonia and then they die? And then I was just like, I don't know, but I mean, they want to eat and they're thirsty. (laughs) And I would just, you know, I'd have to just feed them. Well, and I will and. It's funny when it's funny how we say I'm going to feed because that's actually one of the things that can um, increase someone's risk right. for aspiration right. pneumonia. Self feeding is something, and I always talk about that with baby led feeding. Um, but yeah, so every a lot of the people that I saw, I don't know what they what I was supposed to do because want me to call in the OT and be like, this person's not using a fork, bring it. <laughs> how am I going to get them to to consume something? So I would try my best. I would I would order. Um, from dietary like cups with two handles i would re- ask for whatever assisted utensils they had there but it was limited and those people in the kitchen would act like listening to my ticket was me being the most annoying person they've ever met in their life well, um, and, and we yeah. can even get into the systemic issues i know we're not going to um well we can't not, not enough time in the day um of having enough staff in facilities to help them feed versus just shoving something like literally in two different people's mouths. Right. right? Yeah. Like, 
when you have profit, they're not going to hire, you know, profit, uh, profit in healthcare. They're not going to hire that extra aid that they need to help someone eat properly, even though in the end, that'll probably save them money because they won't have to right. thicken liquids or they won't have to send them out to the hospital. They won't get dinged by Medicare. Cause I, that's a thing. But again, I left sniffs. Thank God. Um, four years ago, almost mm-hmm. five. Oh, thank Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. <laughs> How terrible are you now? <laughs> I mean, I could say praise Satan, but I don't know. That might, that might go into that explicit. That's, well, that's not what atheist means, right? Atheist just means you don't believe in anybody. Yes, but I do enjoy saying things like that because it makes me giggle. <laughs> yes, yeah, probably makes people do other things too. Send some people into a tizzy. Hmm. Um, so, so then, yeah. Um, I feel like let's talk more about. So, there are the the things that will lead to aspiration pneumonia or aspiration, and then in turn, perhaps as which one does not certainly lead to the other. Which I did not mm-hmm. know that coming out of grad school. I thought that's what was going to happen choke mm-hmm. or and then you're done. Um, but the things that do cause it are not self-feeding because your brain is not preparing for that swallow because you're not bringing mm-hmm. your hands to your mouth and activating the muscles. And mm-hmm. also oral hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> and not even that, but it's, I mean, oral hygiene is a big one, but also, um, oh, I'm, Ugh, I'm going to get someone being like, that's not true. Um, one of them is not being able to brush the own te- their own teeth. But I also have to wonder, is that kind of correlated? And I haven't seen the research like separating the two, because how often can someone brush their teeth when they can't feed themselves or maybe right, vice yeah. versa? That yeah. makes me wonder. And maybe someone will correct me or send a message. I hope so, because I think about these things. <laughs> I mean, but then also, like, if you can't brush your own teeth, then how are you supposed to like gather the toothpaste and swallow and spit it out instead of like accidentally swallowing it um so there's that and then the other one is as tr- being on a ventilator that yeah and then there's oh gosh I should I should have prepared for this because there's like a list of five and there's like one of it's like a risk factor maybe there's like predictors and risk factors and I always mix them up because I mean in the end my patients they don't need to know that you know I give them <laughs> what to do, but I'm not like, and this is a risk factor, but having, um, the number of rotten teeth in your mouth, Mm -hmm. um, that is, I think a risk factor. And that's a really high one because that bacteria. Right. And if you're managed, if you can't manage your saliva and everything in there has a lot of bacteria, you're Mm -hmm. coughing on your own spit, you're aspirating that that's going into your lungs. Craziness. So when do you thicken liquids ever or no? What is the, can you talk to me? (laughs) Well, and I've discussed this with a lot of people. It and even my student, um, she was so perspect uh, perspective. No, so um, oh shoot, I forgot a word. Um, no, it's gone. Perceptive, perceptive. Shit. Um, <laughs> our very like one of our last days, we walked to go get Vietnamese coffee together, and she was moving to a hospital. I'll probably send this to her. Hi, baby. Um, And she asked me, so Julie, when, or like, what am I going to say to people? Cause she was moving to a hospital and we actually experienced a hospital SLP really kind of scaring one of our patients, which I've gotten that quite a lot. 
um, being like, you can never do this again or And like, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know that they're, they might improve. Uh, and she's like, what kind of language should we address? Cause I do think in acute people might benefit, you know, I mean, that's not my area that I was in there. I'm out of acute now because that was, I don't, I thought I would like it more than I did. Um, maybe an acute kind of thing, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, post strokes, or even there's some research with, um, some neurodegenerative conditions, but even then, um, I would really want a swallow study because, um, what happens with Parkinson's, which is my specialty and the love of my life. Um, I would never say expert because people with Parkinson's might be a little more of an expert than me on their own condition. Um, but it's my specialty. I've studied a lot. My patients tell me I'm um, more helpful than their neurologist. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Um, but like with those neurodegenerative conditions, a lot of times, um, oh gosh, I don't even know how to say it because I say it so informally to my patients more than I ever think about it. But, um, like the constriction, um, you see what I'm doing. This is literally how I explain it to my patients. It's not as strong. It's not as, um, you know, mm, wow. I, I'd never talk about this other than like the involuntary muscles that are progressing the food down the esophagus. Yes. Yes, the pharyngeal so constrictors. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people with Parkinson's, um, they won't have as good of, you know, the stripping wave. Right. And so there's a lot of residue and they'll silently aspirate the thickened liquids after the swallow. Mm-hmm. So like I, I, I've seen that with multiple people with Parkinson's. And so why am I going to recommend something that they're going to silently aspirate after? Oh, well, I mean, mm. so anyway, I just recommend EMST and we improve it. That's uh, that's expiratory muscle strength training. It's, um, it's really good for people with Parkinson's and pretty much everything. I just read a thing on who um, does that, who does that? Everybody can like a respiratory therapist or you teach them that we do. I do. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Respiratory therapists do usually a, um, Brooke Richardson would be the one to talk to about this, but respiratory therapists do a very low level one to help cough up mucus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can do one that gets people, uh, it strengthens swallows. And I've, I had a patient go get a swallow study with Parkinson's and the therapist who did the MBS went, wow, I've never seen anybody actually improve on this before. You must be on, on your medications and you weren't last time. And I was like, or... <laughs> And that patient like dutifully did that because they hated thick and liquids. Thanks for listening to SLP's Wine and Cheese podcast. Tune in next week. Bye.